0: Wonderful time of worship today. Somebody say amen to that. So much enjoyed that. I always love it when we have the opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper together and give back as a, a, a part of our thankfulness to God, to His generosity for us. I've got my Bible open to Luke chapter 1 today. If you've got a Bible with you, I would invite you to do the same. Luke chapter 1. We're going to spend just a few minutes talking about one of the most significant things that the Christmas story teaches us, reminds us every year, and that's this truth nothing is impossible. With God. And we're going to see that as we talk about the Christmas story as a whole, but time only allows us to read one portion of that story. And it's the portion that's found in Luke chapter 1 as a young girl named Mary is visited by an angel named Gabriel with a message that she never, ever expected to hear. And so, if you've got your Bibles open there, I know I didn't give you much time, but if you've got your Bibles open there and you're able today, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the scripture. Thanks so much for being here today, especially if you're a guest. If you're a guest, we always love to welcome you into our services. Every week, as a part of our worship, we make the public reading of Scripture a significant portion. And because we have such respect and reverence for God's Word, we stand when we read it. I'm going to begin reading in Luke chapter 1 at verse 26, and I'm going to read down through verse 38. You follow along. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. An angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favored. the Lord is with you." And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God." will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible With God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask for God to bless the reading and the hearing of His word. Every time I hear or read that passage of Scripture, I am drawn to the statement Gabriel makes in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 when he simply says, After Mary asks the obvious question, how can this be that I'm going to have a child when I'm a virgin? Gabriel responds ultimately by saying, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, I believe that's true. Because I've been a Christian for a long, long time, over 50 years, I can say honestly that intellectually, I believe that's true. I'm sure many of you would say the same thing. I believe that if God can create the universe, then he can certainly change or override the rules he created to govern the universe and so what Gabriel said was true that a woman who was a virgin could give birth to a child because nothing is impossible with God but Christmas reminds us of more than just the fact that God can do the impossible Christmas reminds us or demonstrates to us the truth that God will do the impossible, to accomplish His purposes, not just in the world, but in our lives as well, your life and my life as well. So, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about that this morning. I've actually got three ways that I see this happening in the Christmas story. This, or three ways, three things that remind us of the truth that not only God not only can God do the impossible, but he will do the impossible. And if you'd like to take notes, you might want to write these down somewhere. I'm going to do this quickly. The first thing that we see in the Christmas story is this truth that God is always, everyone say always, always at work. God is always at work. The Bible teaches us in a variety of ways that God created man to live in fellowship with him. And that's the way it, was in the beginning with Adam and Eve because we get this picture of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden walking and talking with God because God loved them and God wanted to experience fellowship with them. Uh, But we get to Genesis chapter 3 and we see Adam and Eve disobey God and when they disobeyed God they allowed sin into the world and when sin came into the world their fellowship with God was broken. That walking and talking relationship of Of fellowship, that community of unity that they shared with God was broken because their sin separated them from God. That's what sin does. It separates us. But, and this is so important, even though they had disobeyed God, even though they had allowed sin into the world, even though sin disrupted their perfect fellowship with God, here's what we see. God did not, not even for a second, he did not abandon them. They disobeyed God in the first part of Genesis chapter 3. But you get to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and God speaks these words to the serpent Satan used to tempt Eve to sin. Obviously, he was speaking them to Satan himself. He said, from now on, you and the woman will be enemies, as will your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. That's the way it reads in the living Bible. What's God saying? Well, he's saying there's going to be hostility between you and man, but ultimately, I'm going to send someone to crush you. You will hurt him, but he will crush you. And obviously, God was talking about his son, Jesus. Jesus, who would be hurt by being beaten and brutalized and hung on a cross as he died for our sin. But in the process, through his death and his resurrection, he would crush Satan And friends, that verse is just the first of many verses that flow all throughout the Old Testament that show us that God did not abandon man that he created because of sin. Because over and over again through the Old Testament, we see this truth where God is basically saying, I know the world has been damaged by sin, but it's not going to be that way forever. I know the world has been damaged by sin, but I'm not going to let it be that way forever. And time doesn't allow us the opportunity to look at several of those different verses. So let me just give you one more that's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. It's verses 4 and 5. It's a prophetic passage about Jesus who would one day come to crush Satan. The prophet writes, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And those words were written to describe the death of Jesus on the cross who gave his life to pay the penalty for our sin and provide for us, ultimately to provide for us spiritual healing. And here's what I'm telling you. Since the time... That sin entered into the world through the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God has been working to to, to roll out his plan to reconcile and redeem sinful man. And every single part of God's plan revolves around Jesus, who we celebrate, especially in the Christmas season. Everything about God's plan revolves around Jesus. Jesus. Everything about God's plan for the world, everything about God's plan for your life revolves around Jesus. I came across a great quote this last week when I was putting this together that said, Everything in the Old Testament looks forward to Christmas Day for its meaning. And everything in the New Testament and beyond looks backward to Christmas Day for its meaning. Why is that true? Because God is always at work. This is what we need to understand about God and this truth that with God, nothing is impossible. God is always at work when it comes to his ultimate plan for fellowship with man, for fellowship with you. If you're here today or you're listening to me online today and you're not living in fellowship with God, you need to know that God is always at work fulfilling his plan to live in fellowship with you. And so what we need to understand today is that there will never be a moment in our lives, there will never be a moment in your life or my life when we have made such a mess out of our lives or we have wandered so far away from God that he no longer has a plan for us. I mean, you might be here today or listening to me today and you know that you've made some pretty big mistakes in your life that you have wandered far away from God, but you need to know, you need to be reminded today that you will never do anything You will never do anything at all. You will never wander so far away that God cancels out his plan, his ultimate plan to live in fellowship with you. He's always at work with that goal in mind, the goal of offering you a new and a better life through his son, Jesus. And nothing is impossible with God because God is always at work. Here's the second thing. As God is always at work with his plan to live in fellowship with you and me, you can trust the details to God. That's the second thing I want you to see today. You can trust the details of your life as it fits into the plan of God. You can trust the details to God. Let's think about this in the context of the Christmas story, and now we're basically moving from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 2, which is the heart of the Christmas story. If you're not familiar with it, then I would encourage you to go home and read it sometime today. Joseph and Mary are, are together now, and they live in Nazareth. An Old Testament prophecy said that the Messiah, Jesus, would be born in Bethlehem, a small town just a few miles south of Jerusalem, but 80 miles away from Nazareth. Now, 80 miles for us today is nothing, absolutely nothing. But in ancient days, 80 miles was at least a two-day journey and probably longer if you were traveling with someone who was in the late stages of pregnancy. Joseph and Mary would have had absolutely no reason to ever go to Bethlehem except for the fact that of all times, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken, and so every male needed to return to his hometown to register for that that, uh, uh, census. Joseph lived in Nazareth, but because of his heritage and his lineage, his hometown was considered to be Bethlehem. And so he and Mary made that 80-mile journey to Bethlehem together. And you know the story. That's where Jesus was born. Now, having said that, I want you to think about something with me. It may have seemed at the time that someone other than God was in control of everything that was going on. It may have seemed, for example, to Joseph and Mary that Caesar Augustus was in control of what was happening because he's the one who issued the decree that a census be taken that made everyone have to go to their hometown to register. It may have seemed to Joseph and Mary that the timing was terrible for this. It couldn't have come at a worse time. No one in their right mind, knowing what was going on in their lives, would ever ask them to travel 80 miles to Bethlehem. It may have seemed to them that this was all just a really big mistake. But you and I know from the scriptures that what was happening here was that God was working out the details of his ultimate plan, again, to live in fellowship with people like you and me. We just talked about the truth that God is always at work, and this is nothing more than God at work, but this gives us a chance to see the details of how he is at work. And so another thing that we need to understand as we think about this truth that nothing is impossible with God is that sometimes what can seem like nothing more than a random coincidence or a terrible inconvenience or even something that is just flat out wrong, something in our life happens that just seems flat out wrong. Sometimes all of those things can actually be the hand of God at work in our lives, getting us right where he needs us to be according to his plan for our lives, his ultimate plan for our lives. God's plan called for Joseph and Mary to be in Bethlehem so Jesus, the Messiah, could be born in Bethlehem according to the prophecy of the Scriptures. And that's what happened because God is always in the details of our lives. We may not always see it, but God is always in the details of our lives. And so the truth is, as we worship together today, who knows where God might need you to be or where God might need me to be when it comes to his plan for our lives. You know, when I decided that I would move my family here to Greenwood 20 years ago, that was, uh, I've told you before, that was a very difficult decision for our family, but it was particularly difficult for my children. Andrew was 16 at the time, and Tricia was 13, Andrew, who was just here giving a communion meditation, was 16. He was just a couple of months away from turning 17. But here's something that I told them. Both of my children, I said this to them, right to their face, more than once. I said, God doesn't just have a plan in this for me. He also has a plan in this for you as well. That's what I told them. And friends, let me tell you, today how I knew that that was true when I was 16 almost 17 my family moved from Tulsa Oklahoma the only place I had ever lived to Houston Texas and I was not happy about it it was a I would have tell you I would have told you at the time it was the absolute worst thing that could ever happen in my life not knowing what the future held I was confident that nothing worse than that would ever happen to me in my life I moved from a school that I had grown up in from the time I was in elementary school all the way through my junior almost through my junior year in high school uh, that was not very large to a great big large city school there were more kids in my graduating class in that Houston Texas school than there were in my entire high school in Oklahoma and it was culture shock for me and I was really unhappy worst thing that could have ever happened but years later years down the road I was able and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, to look back and see that a move that seemed so wrong at the time was actually just a part of God's ultimate plan for my life because God is always in the details. It was one of the details God was working out in his ultimate plan for my life. And if I had the chance today, all these years later, to go back and manipulate my life so that that never happened, do you think I would? No, I wouldn't. Because I would not want my life to unfold any different than the way it has unfolded today. I would not want to be married to anybody other than my wife, whom I'm about to celebrate. We're about to celebrate our 40th anniversary together. I would not want to have children any different than Andrew... And I would not want to have a different daughter-in-law or a different son-in-law, and I certainly would not want to settle for anything less than what are the three absolute best grandchildren in the world. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, what might seem like to you as just a random coincidence, or what might seem like to you as some kind of a mistake or what might seem like to you as the worst thing that could ever happen in your life is actually just God working out the details of His plan for your life. And you can trust Him because this is one of the ways that we know that nothing is impossible with God. He always has a plan, and we can trust the details of that plan to Him, even when we don't understand them. And maybe that speaks to you right where you are right now in this season of your life. You can trust the details of your life to a God who loves you with an everlasting love because nothing is impossible with God. And you don't know, you just don't know yet exactly what he plans to do with or in or for your life. Here's the third truth. When it comes to God... Impossible things become possible when we surrender. When it comes to God, who always has a plan, who's always working out the details of that plan, when it comes to God, impossible things become possible when we surrender. We go back to that passage we read earlier and when Gabriel came to Mary and told her she would give birth to a son, Mary knew immediately that that was going to be difficult, that it was going to be challenging. She knew she wasn't married. She knew her husband to be Joseph would probably never believe her when she said that she had had a conversation with an angel. She knew that her family wouldn't understand. She knew that people would talk. She knew this would change everything about her life for the rest of her life. But before Gabriel gave her an explanation for how this would happen. Remember, she said, how how will this be since I'm a virgin? Before he even gave her that explanation, she had already made a resolute commitment in her heart that she was going to trust God. Remember, Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God, <clears throat> then he said, for nothing is impossible with God. And she responded, not with a conviction she just decided on in that moment, but on a, she just stated a conviction that was already in her heart. She said in verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, may it be, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. And impossible things become possible when we surrender to God and his plan for our lives. You see the same truth illustrated in Joseph's life. You have to go to Matthew chapter 1 to read this story. But you know that Joseph was heartbroken and angry and bitter when he found out that Mary was pregnant. And because he was a righteous man, that's what Matthew 119 says about him. Because he was a righteous man, he decided he was just going to divorce her quietly so that she wouldn't be held up to public shame. But he was deeply hurt and deeply wounded and deeply angry. But an angel visited him in a dream right after he made that decision that he would just divorce her. And this is what the angel said, Joseph, son of David. This is Matthew one twenty. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. <clears throat> now, who knows? As we look at that passage today, who knows if Joseph understood everything the angel was saying about this child that Mary was carrying, who who knows if that even made any sense to him, if he connected any dots at all? Who knows if he understood it? But let me tell you one thing that he did understand. He understood that if he was going to go ahead and take Mary to be his wife, it would change his life forever. That people would always wonder whether Mary had been unfaithful to him or whether he had been unfaithful to God. His family would always live under a cloud of suspicion and gossip, and no one would ever... Call him a righteous man again. Must have seemed like an impossible situation to him. But Matthew one twenty four says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. And Joseph became the earthly father to the son of God. And what you see in both Mary and Joseph is they both surrendered completely to the will of God. And when we surrender to the will of God, it opens the door for our God to make anything possible. The impossible becomes possible in our lives when we surrender to God fully. When we surrender to God and his plan for our life. And so what the angel Gabriel said to Mary so long ago is still true today. Nothing is impossible with God, and there's no limit, friends. There's absolutely no limit to what God can accomplish in your life when you surrender to him and his plan and his will. Now, that surrender doesn't mean you'll have an easy life. Can I tell you that after the service was over last night, that a woman that I didn't know came up to me, and she said, are you sure that, God, that anything is, po- is possible with God? Are you sure that God can do the impossible? And I said, I absolutely am but I knew she had her own story. And I said, but I don't always know the mind of God or the timing of God or the way it will all unfold. And that's the same for you and whatever you're dealing with in your life. But what Gabriel said to Mary is true today. Nothing is impossible with God. And so let me close by asking you this question. All of you here and all of you who are listening to me online, what is it that seems impossible in your life today? I mean, for some of us, it might be forgiveness because there's somebody who has hurt us so deeply, betrayed us, broken our trust so completely that it it feels like we're we're continually lost in a dark sea of unforgiveness. Listen, if that seems like an impossible thing to you today, then really what you need to do probably right now in this moment is just in your heart to pray this prayer, God, I I am I'm am struggling with this unforgiveness, but I know that you want me to forgive. I know that you can bless my life through my forgiveness, and so help me to do that now. Help me to surrender completely to your will for my life now so that I can experience the reality that nothing is impossible with you. Maybe you're in a marriage that's bad and you think it's impossible that we'll ever have a happy, fulfilling, meaningful marriage. Maybe it seems impossible to you, but nothing is impossible with God and the impossible becomes possible when we surrender to him. I'm not saying that to put more guilt on you. I'm just telling you this is the truth of the Bible. Maybe there's something that you're holding back in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's professional success. Maybe it's financial uh, need that seems impossible to you. Maybe it's some kind of an emotional issue and struggle that you've had in your life for a long time. The impossible becomes possible when we surrender Because what the angel said to Mary is still true. Nothing is impossible with God. And you can trust him to always be at work in your life. You can trust him to always be in the details of his plan, even when you don't understand it. And you can trust him when you surrender to him to do for you, in you, through you, what only God can do. I want you to pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for a few minutes to open up the scriptures today. And I pray a simple but specific prayer right now for anybody in this place, anybody listening to me right now who is struggling with something that seems absolutely impossible. Help them to know in this moment that whatever it is, what Gabriel said to Mary is still true for every single one of us today. Nothing is impossible with God.